Our scripture reading today comes from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. Hear now the word of God. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and all the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you had a wall of pictures in your house, an entire wall dedicated to all your greatest accomplishments, not just your happiest moments, but those achievements you're most proud of, what pictures are on there? I'm going to give you a second to actually look at those pictures. What pictures are on there. My wife tutored through college, especially students learning English whose native language is Spanish, and in college she was tutoring this kid named Carlos, and he was failing reading. Understand he wasn't behind on reading, he wasn't struggling, Carlos couldn't read. Uh, And she spent a lot of time with Carlos, they actually read with him almost every day. And they would work for about 30 minutes, and for those 30 minutes, he would try so hard. And she told me how he'd get focused, and his eyes would squint, and his tongue would sort of stick out a little bit. Like, by the force of his stare, he was going to comprehend the words on that page. And he would just stare and listen, and they'd alternate pages back and forth as they'd read, and he'd sound his way through words. And then half the time... They'd need to translate the word from English into Spanish once he sounded it out. And by the end of those 30 minutes, Carlos would be literally sweating. Actually sweating. And then he'd slip the book, which he had in English and Spanish, into his backpack, and he'd take it home for his parents to help him read. And Micah meant the parents, too. They were from Guatemala, and they could barely read themselves. They were teaching themselves to read each night after putting their kids to bed so they could help their son learn to read. And one Monday around March, Carlos came into tutoring and he was bouncing. He was so excited. And he pulled out this reading test he'd taken the last Friday. And across the top in bright red was written 71%. And she looked at him, and there was this fierce look of pride in his eyes. It was barely a C. Plenty of people would be in trouble for a 71%, but what you have to understand is for the first time, Carlos had taken that test by himself. 
with the other kids, without the extra time, without his aid, he had taken that test and he had earned that 71%. It was his barely passing grade. When they went and shared that test with Micah's boss, she asked if they could borrow the test to show it to some other people. And the next day they drove to the trailer where Carlos and his family lived and they knocked on the door and they gathered his parents and you could see the parents were worried at first. They assumed he was in trouble and they looked so tired like they just couldn't handle one more piece of bad news. But Micah's boss handed them the test and Micah translated that this 71% in bright red was Carlos's 71%. That he had earned this grade, that he did it without extra time or help from his aid. It was his grade, and because of their hard work, because of his hard work, Carlos could read. He could read. And Micah told me how his dad pulled Carlos close uh, and ducked his head to hide the tear. And how his mom just smiled, just beamed and smiled. Because in that moment, the sleepless nights and the literal sweat and the tears, all of it was worth it for that moment. And they walked into the trailer and dad found a hammer and they hung that 71% on the wall. It's not the grade that made it. You see, it's not the 71%. I would be in trouble for a 71% in reading. It's not the grade. It's the work that made it so valuable. If you had a wall of pictures in your house dedicated to all of your greatest accomplishments, what pictures are on it? Hold that in your head. Because our scripture today is from this letter written by James, and it says every good and perfect gift is from God, and God doesn't change. God chose to give us birth, not our biological birth, or not our birthday, but a new birth through Jesus Christ. And we are a first fruit, a visible sign to the world of what's coming. We are a first fruit of the coming heaven when our life makes visible who Jesus is, and when our community makes visible what heaven will be like. So I'm asking this morning, what if on your wall of pictures with all your greatest accomplishments, what if there was a picture of you where you looked just like Jesus? That's what James wants for us. In this letter he wrote, he's saying something amazing that we can look like Jesus. So James compares the word of God to a mirror and says anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Somehow the word of God is like a mirror. It shows us what we look like. Can we even imagine a world without mirrors? Even our phones now can show us what we look like. I flipped the selfie camera to check my hair. Can we even imagine a world where we only knew what we looked like from looking down? You wouldn't know your own face. 
In our image-obsessed culture, that just sounds strange. What if you didn't even know what your own face looked like? Instead, we're surrounded by images of ourselves and images we compare to images of other people. We're constantly bombarded with images of ourselves and images of other people that we hold side by side and compare to these people living fabulous lives. And then we assess how we look. If you compare yourself to all those other images, do you really want to look like Jesus? Out of all the images out there, do you really want to look like Jesus? Do you really want to look like the first century Jewish peasant named Jesus, who was homeless the entire time he was famous, executed at 33? His family tried to have him committed for being crazy. A crowd tried to kill him with rocks. He only had 12 close friends, and one of them sold him for 30 pieces of silver, not even gold. Plus, let's get into the practicalities, the real day-to-day. How often do you think Jesus showered while wandering through the desert? What were his grooming habits? And Jesus didn't carry a closet with him. Chances are he had his robe and his shirt. And when he took a bath, he washed his one robe and his one shirt. Do we really want to look like that? Luckily, that is perhaps not what James means. And we know because the Bible never actually describes Jesus physically, not once. It doesn't say he had intense eyes or an unruly beard or a kind face, nothing. Because what he looked like physically is not the point. When James says the word of God is a mirror, it's a mirror on who we are and how we live. Things we can't cover up with a convincing exterior, it's a mirror on who we are and how we live. And the word of God holds who we are side by side with who God is and asks, who do you want to be? Who do you want to look like? And what if you could actually look like Jesus. Just what if? What if you were so hopeful for God's kingdom that you actually woke up every day excited? Can you imagine if you woke up every day excited because of how excited you were for God's kingdom? Or what if your heart was so filled with love that there was no longer room in your life for shame? What if you lived so much for love that you stopped feeling ashamed? And what if you could go to bed each night actually knowing that you had made a difference in the world? Knowing that you were completely and totally loved by God, that you were forgiven, that you belonged, that he was proud of you? What if you could actually look like Jesus? The word of God is a mirror that allows us to do exactly that. So James says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, because by holding our life beside the word of God, we're able to see the nastiness. We can see what doesn't belong, and we can actually begin living with less bitterness, less rage, less fear, more courage, more joy, more conviction. 
I say this to you, but the process is like Carlos. It's squinting eyes, tongue out, literally sweating, parents learning to read while their kids are asleep kind of work. And the grade will never be a 100%. Until the day we die, we'll always fall short. A bright red 71% feels pretty good in the Christian life. But that will be your 71%. If, and this is a big if, if we do the work. So James says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, they will be blessed in what they do. Not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, doing the work, the hard, exhausting, time-consuming, squinting eyes, tongue out, literally sweating work. Not just the work of serving, we're all doing that. The work of looking like Jesus. The work of cutting the filth and evil out of our lives. The work of resisting temptations. The work of forgiving. The work of developing a community of friends and believers who ask you, what are you and God doing next? Looking like Jesus is work. It's hard work. But what if on your wall of pictures, beside all your other accomplishments, there was a moment where you actually looked like God? What if on your wall of pictures there was this moment where you forgave someone? For something you didn't want to. Something you didn't think you could ever forgive, but you just kept carrying it to God in prayer, and you kept praying for that person, and you kept letting the Spirit wash over you, and, and one day, somehow, despite yourself, you were able to walk up to them and say, you know, I've been carrying this around, and I've been making you carry it around, but today I gave it to God, so I'm letting you know you're forgiven. In the name of Jesus, you're forgiven. And what if you could have a picture of that day hanging on your wall because you looked like Jesus? What if there was a situation you heard about, a family down the street that was really struggling, they were exhausted and down and out, and you just decided as a family to take them on? a concentrated effort, and your kids reach out to their kids, and you have them over for dinner, and you invite them to share in the blessings God has given you, and one day you catch the parents leaning back with this look on their eyes, a look of contentment and joy. And you get to have that picture on your wall forever because you know your family was looking like Jesus. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I remember some years ago uh, in a church I was visiting on a Sunday afternoon and a van pulled up and you can picture the van, you've seen one like it before, and a bunch of young people started piling out sort of like the clown car. 
And they looked 13, 14, maybe up to 18 years old. And there were maybe 12 of them. And they got out with the bedrolls. And it was the awfulest looking bunch of kids you have ever seen. Something like the cat would drag in. They were really in bad shape. So I asked one of them, what is this? And they had just returned from a service trip and they named the place where they went and I don't remember. But in one week, those young people, along with some other young people, had built a church for a small community. And they were beat. I mean, they looked terrible. And they were sitting on their bags waiting for their parents to come. And I said to one of the boys, you tired? And he said, am I tired? But then he said, This is the best tired I've ever felt. And that's what joy is. When is the last time you felt that? Do you feel that now? This is the best tired I've ever felt. Our hope is day after day and week after week, we individually and we as a church can name that kind of tired and can hang those moments on our wall of accomplishments where we looked like Jesus, where we can look at that and say, I remember that. That was some of the best tired I have ever felt. That Carlos kind of tired, that squinting eyes, tongue out, literally sweating kind of tired. But that's a you-look-like-Jesus kind of tired. That's you looking like you were made to look kind of tired. And when you feel it, that's what joy is. Let's pray together. Lord God, this morning we remember that you were not and you are not afraid of hard work. We remember that your Holy Spirit is still going out into the world preparing a way, Lord, that right now you are building a kingdom and inviting us not just to be a part of it, but to build it with you. Lord, we ask that you would soften our hearts that you would give us a desire to work alongside you, to take on a task that feels too big, something that's only possible because of you. So in a month or three months or a year, we can look back and say, this is the best tired I've ever felt. Lord God, today and every day, help us to look like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.